So we talked about it during the last premium podcast, Painter, but like we got to get back into the swing of doing off-season podcasts again. I mean, there's spring football going on now. There's definitely basketball news going on. There's always news, but like it's been a minute since we've had to do one of these podcasts, one of these free ones over the weekends where we don't have a result of a game to talk about. I don't know, man. I, I feel like we're I feel like we're gonna have to get back into the groove. I don't know. If, I don't know if we're at uh we're at off-season form yet. Things have varying degrees of seriousness, things that you feel like are worth really diving into. And, you know, for instance, games make it easy to dive into, right? All those months of good basketball games. And I don't know about good football, up and down results, but things have been entertaining. Auburn has been at the center of uh, the country in many ways, good and bad for its football and basketball programs over the last six months. So now I guess uh, we're back to the setup. I'll say this off the top. I don't know how you feel about this, Painter, but if anybody who listens to this podcast has any suggestions about, hey, why don't you guys talk about this related to football or basketball or any topic that's not necessarily uh, anything to do with either of those, but mainly football and basketball for Auburn topics. If you want, have any ever have any suggestions, kind of like the mailbag, it's always open. Uh, you can always uh, drop us some uh, some suggestions and we'll take them into account. You know, uh, this is off-season time where now we get to the point where we're not talking about things that happen. We're we're talking about things that could happen in the future, and uh, some people really, really enjoy that. The most interesting part to me about all this is how even though Auburn fell flat on its face in basketball, there is a real level of excitement going into most off-seasons when Bruce Pearl is your coach because he has the ability Mm -hmm. to make your team better. And with football, I don't think there's that same sense of optimism. No, we talked about quiet optimism recently in bas and football from from some fans. But yeah, I mean, there's basketball, especially with the smaller roster. It, it, the the recruiting news is more concentrated, and we'll talk about that. And yeah, it just I mean, Auburn's won three SEC titles in the last five seasons. They haven't done that in football. Now it's not the same type of game, obviously, and you only can win one title a year and. In football, whereas basketball, you get two shots at it when you when you throw the tournament into into the thing. So we got to get back into we got to get back into off season form. We can only talk about grocery stores for so long. <laughs> How many conversations can we can we actually? I, actually, I think between the two of us, we could we could definitely do a lot of grocery store talking. I love talking about food, and I love talking about the process of getting the food. How I spend my time in the grocery store is my time, but if I feel like sharing it with you all, I'll do that. I was going to talk about uh, Greenville. We, 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 I didn't mention this when we were uh, recording from Greenville, or you know, last week. But Greenville, uh, underrated food city. I know some Auburn fans um, who uh, who who made the trip up there talked about how much they enjoyed their time there. Greenville's Greenville's a pretty good spot. Don't sleep on Greenville. It's uh, it's not. It's it's. There's nothing that like. Uh, immediately stands out about Greenville like oh you've got to do this in Greenville or there's like it's kind of like a smaller Charlotte in that regard I think where it's like general Carolinas but you know it's there you know wide range of food options in Greenville and they all they all hit top tier um I had a had a bacon wrapped pork tenderloin thing uh at one at one spot that was just absolutely off off the charts good so uh, we can talk about food. We can talk about food that's off season. This could be a 
especially our premium podcast, this could be our our battle royale of uh, of Auburn food options. Because Painter, there's a new uh, there's a new member of the Auburn beat now on the scene. I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if you've seen this yet or not. Mm. Another yeah, Missouri so boy. Another Missouri boy. Another another. <laughs> Another child from Missouri coming to make us all feel bad about how good they are at writing. That falls um, squarely as a Midwestern state, right? That's yeah, the smack middle of it, I would think. And Missouri, you know, St. Louis, the arch, the gateway to the West. I think that's you know, pretty pretty Midwestern. Um, but yeah, uh, just right here up top, um, if you aren't following him, following him yet, um, Adam Cole, baby. Uh, Adam Cole uh, is the new... Is that the name uh, of a wrestler? It is, and that's why I made that reference. Um, Adam Cole is now the new uh, beat writer uh, for the uh, for the OA News, uh, r- replacing our friend Jordan Hill, who is now covering Georgia. Um, Adam is kind of like our buddy Bennett Durando, Missouri guy, uh, young, super, super talented, really cool dude. I've had a couple opportunities to hang out with him early on, so follow him. He's at, at Cole Reporter. And uh, we we might have him on the podcast here in the near future, uh, just because uh, we like having we like having our, our buddies from uh, from other parts of the beat. So a very um, symmetrical name, very symmetrical. You like the and and very you know, Adam and Cole both both our first names. Um, so he he doesn't got a have Ricky a last Bobby name. situation on our hands. Yeah, yeah, but uh, he he's really good, and uh, you know, give him a follow uh, on Twitter and and read his stuff. Uh, but you know we. We were talking about food recommendations in Auburn. He, he's looking for those early on, and so we've we've you know we might have to give him a crash course here this this summer. So um, that was just a long winding way of saying, "Hey, welcome to the podcast." We'll uh, we'll start talking about actual stuff here in a moment, but appreciate you guys continuing to tune in in all of our off season nonsense. You ready to get this thing rolling, Painter? It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. We have got some football and basketball to talk about here on today's program. Some news about football and a little news of basketball. There's also a kind of a big picture thing in basketball I want to talk about uh, with you um, as we uh, as we start to, to venture into the offseason for this program, of course. Auburn Gymnastics uh, about to go into their uh, NCAA run here. Auburn Baseball, Auburn Softball, both off to really good starts this season, especially as they get into the heart of SEC play for them. We don't cover um, those the other sports. We tell you to uh, read and listen to the folks that do. So many good ones here on this, uh, on this beat. Um, but uh, for us, a football and, and basketball program, um, this is – this is the off season for us, and we're getting we're getting rolling right here. Let's kick off with football. That's a pun. Auburn uh, is at the midway point of spring practices. Uh, a day is two weeks, less than two weeks away. Is that um, really? Yeah, it's a week from. It's a, so you're listening to this on a Monday morning, uh, most likely. Spring uh, football Monday. flies when I'm, <laughs> when I'm paying attention to basketball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Big, big thing there. Um, but uh, Auburn had a scrimmage over the weekend um, on, on Friday night in Jordan-Hare, and uh, Brian Harson 
you know, so there's this thing, and I'm sure anybody who's read or listened to anything about uh, Auburn football spring practices or even fall practices last year can tell you the same thing. You've probably heard this, but just in case you haven't, um, let's start with this. Uh, we were asked when we go cover practice, when we have these windows, usually about a half hour, um, although the one on Friday night, I wasn't there for it. I was, I was out of town, but um, I know the folks uh, who, who were there got to see a little bit more of it usually you get around that kind of time and, and we can observe what's going on, kind of tell, you know, report what we see and, and kind of, you know, give the people what they're looking for. But Auburn has asked um, to not, you know, report about injuries, guys who are out, guys who are in non-contact. And it, and it you know, I think for those who are photographers and videographers, I think that's a little tougher. I think for you know, people like me who just, who just write and talk, you know, you can make that exchange and like, that's the thing, you know, we can talk about access and, and, you know, I hate it when, when, when folks complain about access a lot in, in college sports media beat writing challenge, because not, not that things aren't, you know, things definitely were better back in the day, obviously. Uh, just the games changed completely in terms of outlets and access and all that. But I mean, there is a trade off in terms of like, uh, you know, I'd like there to be some accountability with mm-hmm. high powered, very uh, financially successful athletic programs. But I don't know if that's what this falls into the category of. Are they giving you more football access in exchange for not talking about the injuries? Like, are they saying, look, we'll let you watch more than just stretching? Yeah, no, basically, we don't really watch stretching at all. Like, that's something we joked about how we did during the Malzahn era. Yeah, I think it's just a thing that's saying, hey. Is that what this know, is about? I mean, kind of. I, I think it's just a thing where. Um, or is it another, like, paranoid coach thing? Because, you know, I mean, they, they don't want to talk about injuries. Coaches don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no value in it, right, if you're if you're a coach. Especially, especially if you get closer in season. to the season. Yeah. But in the spring, you know, it's one of those things where. I don't know. It's just an exchange that I guess you make, and, and I'm fine with it. I, I'm fine with it just because it's like, okay, access is access. And the, the thing about it is, is this is college sports, right? I know things used to be better back in the day. Look, I hear the veteran folks on the on this beat tell stories about what the access used to be like, and it's like, man, that's amazing. Um, it's just not that day and age anymore, pretty much anywhere uh, in major college athletics. Yeah, do you have any um, good like uh, Caldwell stories from the Tuberville era? Because oh, yeah, I know like the they, access was so different. They could just walk into the coaches' offices and just like talk to anybody they wanted to at any given time. And it's like I can't even imagine what that looks like. Or you know, there'd be times where I've heard stories about like they're at during the Tuberville era, they'd be at practice, and like Tuberville would just walk up to the reporters like during practice and just talk to them. You know, shoot the breeze like that. That doesn't happen anymore. That doesn't happen anymore anywhere, really, unless you're covering a really small program or you have a really small beat. And I think Boise State was kind of a little bit like that. But, you know, even there, it was just kind of the, what they were used to. They didn't really, you know, Harson doesn't really like talking about injuries a lot. Um, there's really no value in it, especially closer to the season. Um, so my thing has just been like, okay, yeah, I'm fine with that. I just, just kind of – it makes it a little bit more difficult to write about. But, yeah, you can kind of go around it because the thing about college athletics is – there is no, this isn't the NFL. This isn't the NBA. There's no deal you have to make where it says, okay, we've said that you have to do X, Y, and Z when it comes to media. Every school arranges that for themselves. Every coach arranges that for themselves. They don't owe us anything, right? And so 
it's that, you know, kind of balance. Like, yes, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, there are times where I get frustrated with, you know, just dealing with stuff, uh, uh, you know, media relations-wise at Auburn. Not necessarily the people, but just the, the you know, just uh, the access and the, and the lack thereof or, you know, some of the difficulties with that. But I always try to remind myself, it's like, okay, well, they, they're doing this. Like, they don't have to do this. There's nothing that tells them they have to. It's an exchange that you make in terms of, giving our team publicity and reporting on driving interest, um, especially in the off season. Okay. You make that, you make that trade off. Um, anyway, all that to say is that we've been kind of dancing around a lot of injury stuff. And whenever a coach or a player comes right out and says, Hey, this guy's out or this guy's hurt. Well, okay. It's on the record at that point. Here you go. Friday night, Brian Harson just came out and just said, here, here's, here's what's going on. Boom, 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 boom. And so, he kind of got to control all that. Um, this is a list from uh, our our friend uh, Nathan King at Auburn Undercover. Uh, just wanted to make sure hit all uh, to hit all of them at this point. He did a good job of of laying it out in his his story on Friday night uh, at Auburn Undercover. Um, so right now, Jarquez Hunter, Javarius Johnson, and Keandre Jones are out for Auburn on offense. They're not practicing at the moment. Jarquez Hunter out about eight to 10 weeks after undergoing a procedure to clean up on doing cleanup on his leg. Uh, Harson said, quote, it was time to do it. Uh, Keandre Jones had a little tweak, quote, you know, quote, a little tweak earlier this spring, currently not practicing, uh, but is expected to come back for a day. And uh, Javarius Johnson not practicing right now with a hamstring issue, but uh, could be back soon. Um, on defense, uh, you've got, um, or, I'm sorry, also on offense, uh, Austin Troxel is limited in practice. Um, Nick Brahms and Brandon Council have been, uh, Council's been out. Uh, Brahms has been limited as well. J.J. Evans is out for about eight weeks. He had he had knee surgery as well. Zach Calzada's been limited. So when people have been asking about Calzada, it's like we're looking at him, you know, in the back of the line in some of these practices and these drills. And it's like, okay, I don't know how great of a view I can tell you, oh, how good does Holden Gurner Zach Calzada look right now, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm watching him throw the ball to walk-ons. Uh, it's a little different, and, and it's obviously with Calzada not being 100%. He's not expected to be at full speed until the summer. On defense, Owen Papo's out. We knew that already. Uh, Jeffrey Emba is recovering from uh, a surgery he had in the offseason. When Auburn signed him, they knew that was part of the deal. Uh, Marquis Spurks is limited, and Zion Puckett's been practicing in a non-contact jersey. That All that, that – that was a whole lot better than me trying to pick through quotes. Um, and so shout out to Nathan uh, for putting all that together uh, over on Auburn Undercover. Uh, and you can check that out there. Uh, that is one of their free stories from Friday. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> and it's, this is the time of year where when we talk about spring practices, um, this roster, especially some of these guys towards the top, you know, this is where you got to get healthy. Like you would much rather be dealing with these issues right now. And especially in the case of like Hunter, or, um, you know, Hunter and Papo and um, Brandon council, I guess JJ Evans to a degree as well is that, yeah, go ahead and get the Jeffrey and go ahead and get those surgeries. Now go ahead and get that stuff cleaned up now because you want to be able to be full speed by the time fall comes around. So it gives this kind of like a weird thing. Like what's the value in spring practice? What do you want to hear about in spring practice? I was having a conversation uh, with somebody who, who's, who's a subscriber, uh, you know, earlier on, on, on Sunday. And they were talking about like, oh, it's, you know, made the Allen Iverson joke, like, Oh, it's practice. And, you know, we're talking about practice. And it's like, yeah, I mean, for, I know for some of y'all, 
even in the good seasons for Auburn, even in the good situations, it's like, how much can you really get fired up about spring practice? Whereas others of you who are listening and those of you who read are, you know, want to devour everything about what's going on. So there's this, there's, again, it's about balance. You got to hit that balance. And right now, Auburn, you just don't have a clear picture of what Auburn looks like right now. And, and that's fine because I think it's these absences for some of these guys like Hunter and Johnson and Jones, some of the guys on defense, some of the limitations, um, the offensive line as well. It's given these opportunities for some of these other guys to step up because one of the top priorities, Painter, I think we can see about this Auburn roster right now is they might have starter quality people and people you can rely on at a number of positions. Not all of them, but at a number of positions, you feel pretty solid about them. But the depth is a big question mark, especially with the amount of guys that left this offseason. So this is the time of year where you've got to let the young guys and the new guys kind of turn it loose and prove that if we have to rely on you in the fall, can you do it? Um, so I think you would always want to be super healthy all the way through and you want to be at a hundred percent and you want everybody to be able to do everything at every time. But if you want to look for a silver lining, a blessing in disguise, whatever you want to call it, I think these injuries in these situations to some of these guys that we know more about is forcing Auburn to kind of say, okay, well, it's time to sink or swim. If you're some of these younger guys or new guys, because people have to step up on this roster. I hope that this staff is familiar with the term tampering. <laughs> and I hope they're doing that, given the question You're all marks. about some illegal recruiting, right? Uh, now. Look, man, it seems to me that the best teams are doing it. The best teams are also not getting caught, but, you know. Speaking of which, Memphis. Did you see the Memphis news? We'll talk about that with basketball. Yeah, yeah when we get to basketball. Someone had an awesome tweet about how if they uh, see any, that anyone's in trouble, they assume it's Memphis or Auburn. And I was like, you know what? I'd like for that to be our brand if it's not already. It seems to be working out pretty well for one of the programs. And it <laughs> certainly worked out well for Auburn in the 80s. All right. Um, so, all right. This is an opportunity where we talk about some of these up-and-coming guys. You know, if you listen to the Premium Podcast last week, you heard me kind of go over some some of these uh, players that kind of stood out. Um, Friday, scrimmage, he had some more. Um, I think the big name where if you're talking about who's the guy through the first half of spring practices, who's the guy that has come in and, and been, like, been the most, like, done to raise his stock? Um, I think it has to be Caleb Wooden. Caleb Wooden was the low, I think he was the lowest rated recruit for Auburn in this past class. Um, I hope I, I hope I'm not you know uh, saying anything incorrect there. Where well, actually, is Ben Wolk when you need him? Technically, sorry. All right, so technically, Enos Sledge and Alex McPherson, which all, Ed McPherson was the number one player at his position in the country. Justice for kickers. Um, I think we have Caleb, to revisit a question in the mailbag you once answered, once answered, which is something to the effect of how you would get your points. And I think it was with the kicker that never misses. We might be on the precipice of this. <laughs> just 85-yard field goals. Just hitting bombs, hitting bombs over and over again, and then putting all your emphasis on defense around it. Uh, Caleb Wooden, yeah, one of the lowest-rated players in this class. He's number 867. Nationally, number seventy-three in his position, number eighty-nine in the in the state of Georgia. That's from the two-four-seven composite. You know, a guy that when you when you get a dude that is that lowly lowly rated, when you think early on in his career, it's like okay, he's a developmental piece. There's some things they like about him. With the case of Wooden, he's six-two, um, really good size for a safety. You feel like okay, maybe he can fill out. Maybe he can be a guy who can be special teams early in his career, and if things pop, who knows? 
could he be Daniel Thomas? Could he be um, uh, Jordan Peters? I'm thinking like safety specifically. Some of these low-rated guys coming out of high school that have done really, really well. Um, Roger McCreary to an extent as well, even though I think McCreary was a little highly, highly more highly touted coming out of high school than than, than especially Daniel Thomas was. Um, he comes in the first practice and has a couple of turnovers that he forces. Um, he did so again in the scrimmage. This has kind of been his thing. And we heard Marcus Harris and Nehemiah Pritchett last week talk about one of the things that Jeff Schmetting has really emphasized this year or this spring and practices is like, we got to do better at, um, you know, force turnovers. I think the system is going to be very similar this season than what they had with, with in comparison to what they had with Derek Mason and Auburn's defense as a whole was good. Sometimes great. Now they weren't always good. Mississippi state game is the, is the big one that'll stand out in a lot of people's minds. Um, but this was a good to sometimes great defense for Auburn last year, and they're not having to reinvent everything. Um, there be, might be some tweaks. There might be some situational stuff they do differently, but I think the core is still going to be the same. The big thing they want to get, though, is they want to get those turnovers up. Uh, last season, Auburn uh, ranking 113th in the country in forced turnovers. Um, they had 12 all year long. They uh, – they cut, recovered three fumbles, which is a very low number, and they had nine interceptions. They want to be more disruptive um, on that end. So that's something that you can emphasize. You can do some drills to kind of help it out, but it's more of a mentality thing. And I think when you see a, a lower-rated guy um, like a Cole, uh, Caleb Wooden standing out in that regard, um, I think it's a, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you wonder how much that's going to raise the level. So maybe some of the older guys, maybe put a little bit more pressure, step up. That safety spot is so interesting. Zion Puckett, as we said, limited with injuries. So you're seeing Caden Bridges some more. You're seeing, um, you know, obviously Donovan Kaufman's a guy that's a, got safety nickel versatility. Um, and you also have, uh, you also have a guy in Caleb Wooden that is starting to, you know, make a habit of these these practices where he makes big plays and he forces turnovers. And I don't know if he's going to be a guy that um, makes the two deep this year, but Auburn talks about him and teammates talk about him like they just got a diamond in the rough that, hey, this guy was underrated. And I think one of the things that helps him out a ton is his older brother. And he's got an older brother that's got – you know, widely regarded as one of the best work ethics on the team, one of the best players Auburn Auburn has. He's come back for another year. A lot of people are expecting a lot out of Colby. And I think you're seeing some of that same drive coming out in Caleb. And he's a guy that I didn't think we'd be talking about at all, or maybe just even a little bit in spring practices. And here he is pretty much every practice. You hear about him making a play, forcing a turnover. And it's like, you know, we can talk about this, this roster um, – you know, needing to develop and needing to have guys step up. If one of your lowest rated dudes is turning heads, I mean, I think I think that's a good sign for, okay, you can get more out of it. Maybe you can get more than what is expected out of some of these guys, especially early on. I mean, I think that's definitely the, the tact you have to take to be optimistic right now. Right. You know, you're right. trying to find things about this roster that have, I think, a lot of high upside. Yeah, hundred percent. And and we're hearing about like JD Rim, who is a highly rated corner for Auburn in this class, making plays at corner and nickel. 
he was kind of the talk of the tables on Wednesday last week. Um, just as a guy that off, you know, defensive players, even guys up front, we're talking about. Yeah, this is the time for that to step up because, like, okay, we 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 know. Go back through those guys that were that were hurt. All right, and, and quarterbacks a different is a different beast, obviously, but. We know what Auburn has in Nick Brahms and Brandon Council and Austin Troxel, right? They've been doing this for a while. Not to say they can't get better, not to say that this time can be used for improvement. Like, the book's mostly been written on these guys. It's what's happening next. And for a place like Offensive Line, it's like, okay, what's happening for 2023 and beyond? Because that's where the red flags are really starting to be raised. You know that Auburn's got... You know, Zion Puckett and Donovan Kaufman at safety. All right, who's next? At corner, you have Nehemiah Pritchett and you have Jalen Simpson. But, like, who's next? Who's going to be the ones behind him? You can't just run with just your top level. So, who's going to be there with Caleb uh, Is Caleb Wood and Caden Bridges? Are those two guys that you can rely on? You know, we, we've talked about the edge position. There's, like, no – there's, like, three scholarship guys there. And so, you feel good about Derek Hall and, and Ekuliota after what they did last season. But, like – all right, Dylan Brooks, you're going to have – there's going to be a lot of pressure on Dylan Brooks to step up, and there's been a lot of talk about Dylan Brooks this this offseason. Um, you know you you know what you have in Owen Papo, okay? It, are Wes Steiner and Cam Riley and Des Tisdall and Joko Willis and some of those guys ready? Eugene Asante, are, are they ready? Are they going to be ready to take that step up? Um, who's going to be the next wave on the defensive line? That defensive line didn't rotate as much last season, and they lost a lot of depth. Now they got some guys back in. Um, what what what? This is the time to do it. So this is not necessarily a spot where you're going to have all the answers, and it's like this guy is going to be the future. Um, and you can tell just in spring practice, he's just at a different level. We've seen spring stars kind of fade uh, in the fall before, but um, if you're looking at the big picture, what you're getting right now is an Auburn team that is dealing with some injuries, which you'd much rather do now than later, but this is an opportunity to develop depth and, and get those guys ready because they're going to have to rely on them. And there's like, In order for Auburn to be a really good football team this season or to be better than they were last year, I'll say that, to be better than they were last year, they're going to need guys that we don't know very much about to step up and be you know, reliable. And this is the time where that, that, that work really gets going. Um, you know, wide receiver. There's just so many question marks of wide receiver. Javarius Johnson is out. You would think Johnson's going to be one of the go-to guys this season. All right, that's an opportunity for Tavares Dawson. That's an opportunity for Malcolm Johnson. That's an opportunity for Jay Fair. Um, those guys have to step up. And then, you know, Jarquez Hunter. All right, you know Tank and Jarquez Hunter. Boom, one, two. Those are your guys. Is Jordan Ingram ready? You know, um, is this a situation that Damari Olsen can be um, an instant impact guy once he comes in over the summer? Uh, is Sean Jackson a guy who's a walk-on? Can he find a role? These are all the questions that are starting to be answered right now. And it's not the sexiest off-season topics. It's not one that's going to say, well, this changes the win-loss total for Auburn this year. Uh, but if you care and if you're invested in it right now, this is this is the conversation that we're having. These are th- This is what spring football really means. And then there's quarterback, which is... I mean, there just doesn't seem to be any clarity there, and I don't think we're going to no, get a whole I, lot, right? Because no, we can't no. read into the spring game. And 
Maybe Calzada's not 100%. And mm-hmm. that's the guy that I think if he would have been the odds-on favorite heading into spring practice, like, all right, who's going to be the starting quarterback for Auburn next year? You would think it was the, the, the starter from somewhere else that they specifically brought in, right? Like, I think if you handicapped it, people would have Calzada over TJ Finley. Yeah, if all things are equal, both guys have about a year of experience. And one of them was specifically brought in by the new coaching staff. Bingo. And so, and I guess and I you mean, could argue the Finley same with Finley well, because yeah, it was a but, year before, but you knew it was more of a backup option at that point in time. But now with Calzada not at 100%, he's not going to be 100% until after spring ball. What kind of look are you really going to get? Now, we can sit here and say, hey, one of my big takeaways from, from the spring so far is that TJ Finley is really carrying himself as a guy who's got a lot of pressure on him, but, you know, he's got a lot of belief. And he's trying to become more of a leader and try to step up because when a team goes out and gets three quarterbacks in one offseason and you were the guy that was the returning starter, quote-unquote, after Bo Nix left, a lot of people look at that, and rightfully so, as, okay, he's got no shot. The odds are against him. At minimum, yet, they didn't feel confident that you were the best that they could do. You right. can argue competition makes everyone better because generally in sports that is true. However, it's not exactly a vote of confidence. It is a tough spot for him to be in. And, like, am I going to bank on TJ Finley being the starter for Auburn in the fall? Probably not, just because of what I just said. But if he goes through this camp and he gets into the fall and when Auburn is having to make a decision before the start of the season, and if TJ Finley if – the, if the offense runs best with TJ Finley at quarterback because he has gotten better, then he'll be the guy, right? But you don't know what you're getting out of Calzada right now. I I am finding myself more and more on not I mean don't, like the uh, the Robbie Ashford train. I don't know if I want to say that, but I was just say like I like Robbie Ashford's upside, but I think a lot of that is shrouded in like the mystery of him, right? So this is a guy who's really talented coming out of high school, played at Hoover, was Under Armour All American. Um, he goes to Oregon and he's behind some really good quarterbacks, and he never got a shot. You know, he he was behind older, more experienced quarterbacks, never got an opportunity to be the starter. We haven't seen what he looks like at the college level. And what I've seen, what I've been able to see mostly uh, in practices, and, and there was some stuff in the in, in the scrimmage, um, you know, I, that I heard from others, um, that, you know, you can see start to see some of it, but quarterbacks aren't going live. And it's just, it's it's, there's so much that's not r- real football at this point. But when it comes to throwing the physical act of throwing the football, I like what I like what Robbie Ashford brings to the table. He throws it with he, he's got really good arm talent, as you would expect a dude who is a really good baseball player um, to do at the position. And I think it's some of the unknown, right? Like we know what T.J. Finley looks like as an SEC starting quarterback. We know what Zach Calzada looks like as an SEC starting quarterback. That doesn't mean that they can't get better. That doesn't mean that the book is completely out on them. But we don't know anything about Robbie Ashford at this level. And that could be a good thing or that could be a thing where, you know, could just be a non-factor. Yeah. It could just be a non-factor, like you said. So it'll be interesting to see how all that kind of comes together. You're not going to find any answers, but like right now it's about loading up for the future. It's about getting the new coaches rolling, um, the new coordinators rolling, the new players. And then some of these younger guys stepping up and saying, Hey, Right now, the go-to guys, quite a few of these go-to guys aren't out or not 100% right now. 
this has got to be my opportunity to show that I that I can make it make it work. Like I said, you're not going to find anything in spring practice right now that's going to say people are going to try. People are going to try. They're going to come at. They're going to watch the spring game and they're going to they're going to think they have the answers because over the next what four months that's all you're going to be able to see. And so for all the four months, like wh- what you can watch and what you were able to tangibly gather, like that's going to be what guides you know your your off season dialogue and your discussions about. Auburn football, yeah, you can try that, but like, I just just the situation right now, you're you're not going to find out a lot. It's important for teams um, because it is 15 practices, but it's the warm up to the real thing, and there's a lot of time between this and the start of the season. So, um, I mean, like I said, we'll continue to talk about it and we'll continue to write about it because it's going on, and Auburn football is is the behemoth that it is, but. I know not everybody listening to it is is super on board with uh with with Auburn football right now. And again, like on top of it, like there's only so much you can gather from a spring practice, especially this one where not everybody is firing on all cylinders or in terms of health or you're getting everything you've got from your quarterback spot. Yeah, I guess you got to try to find something to be positive about right now because I think if you're looking at the roster objectively and you're looking at your rivals, even LSU, who also has a new coach, although Mm -hmm. one that's been successful his previous two stops, the talent gap is pretty massive right now. And you've got these question marks at these super important positions. So, you know, you can take the spring, I think, with a grain of salt most years because so much of it is install and you're getting bits and pieces of information. It's just I don't begrudge any Auburn fan right now for just sort of shrugging. Yeah, yeah. And some of you out there are looking for a lot of reasons to be positive, and some of you out there are just completely just checked out. And, you know, we try to we try to reach all of you at the, at the same time. I do yeah. wonder, like, is there a, how many people are in the camp of, like, I'm mad about this versus how many – because I think there's, you know – a pretty large group of people who want the team to be successful. There's probably yeah. some people who are out on Harson and are just like, hey, if the season has to go bad, whatever it takes, let's move on. And then, like, what's the group? Is there another group in the middle? Is there a group that's just, like, frustrated but still rooting for Harson? Because I feel like you've got yeah. these two extremes where it's like, I don't care who the coach is. I just want the program to be good. And then, like I said, there's the other group that's like, I don't see this working. So whatever it takes, even if that's a season of pain, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I think most people watch their teams and they want them to win. And even if they don't think they're going to win, even you know, though Auburn fans are probably more fatalistic than than most fan bases, I think. Um, and you have people that are completely set one way or another uh, on and their views on Harson. I think the majority of folks they want to see their team win. Like if 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 Auburn is able to prove the doubters wrong, to overcome the talent gaps, to do all that stuff, which happens in college football. Um, you know, maybe not to the tune of a national title, but like instead of right. winning six games, you win nine, and it's like, oh wow, that was pretty phenomenal season given the expectations. Right. That those kind of seasons happen. Michigan State being a great example of that this past year. A lot of people thought they were going to be dreadful, and and they went to a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, yeah, those things happen even in really good conferences like the Big Ten and the SEC. But you know, it, it's 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 tougher to buy into that. Right. I just think most people are like, hey, if Auburn 
turns out to be really, you know, better than expected this year, great. And I think people are wanting to see that. They want to see them recruit well because it doesn't matter who the coach is. The coach is um, you know, how they're recruiting right now is going to affect the next three or four years of, of – even in the transfer portal era, it's going to affect the next three or four years of the football program. So there's a lot of that you just want to want to have that. You know, and some people just like being right more than anything else. And Oh, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I'm right there with them. I get it. I get it. It's important in the group chat to be right. But I think that's more of a vocal minority than anything else, right? I, I think most people who are sports fans and most people who watch Auburn football or Auburn basketball, you know, whether they like what's going on with the coaching staff or they like what's going on with recruiting, whether or not. I mean, this is the same thing with Gus, right? Remember, Gus was – it was the joke around everybody in college football. Is this a fire Gus year or a keep Gus year? Like, this is not new. This is definitely not new to, to the Brian Hartson situation. I think it just accelerated so quickly um, that it kind of feels new and different. But yeah, I think if you're – I think if you're – most people are like, yeah, we just want him to win. Whatever it takes to get him to win – that's what you want. And so you'll be happy because this is, a, you know, I think most people want to see their team win rather than be right. But there are some of you, who, <laughs> like Painter, who like to be right. Who are more very than petty. Else. It's all about them, baby. Uh, right. And for those of you out there, I salute you for sticking to your guns, no matter how many years it's been of being wrong about something. And I guess I also do wonder, like, if you're listening to this, you're one of a few thousand people that are probably really in tune to Auburn sports especially Auburn football and basketball and if you pay us you're definitely in a minority because you're like you know I'm willing to give my time and resources to basically what amounts to a hobby that I have no control over and so there have to be people on the fringes who just go to tailgates and who just went to Auburn and they find themselves going to a few games a year and they looked up whenever it was in December or January I can't even remember now whenever the Brian Harson thing happened they were like dear god are we doing this again already yeah, yeah, because not everybody's as hardcore as those of you listening to this. Yeah, most of you listening to this care a lot more than I think the average Auburn fan who views it as something to be proud of when the team wins and a social function if they lose. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is, and we we appreciate that because if it wasn't for people like you, we wouldn't be able to do this, right? Like, you know, the the diehards are what makes this a job. That's why there's an entire ecosystem of media <laughs> that covers a team full of amateur athletes. Well, and taking this back to the beginning of the conversation where we discussed access and the trade-off and not talking injuries, you know, your friends at Split Zone Duo recently did a nice podcast episode on Syracuse and, like, the perceived limitations that the media was getting by not being able to report on injuries. And right. Uh, there was the trade-off of, well, we were getting complaints. It, they weren't actually getting to watch football, so this is how we're trying to sort of meet in the middle about it. And all that to say, I think Godfrey talked about, like you did at the beginning, how different things were 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, and it's, completely the, different, it's a completely different media landscape. Yeah, with the rise of all these pay sites, like the minutia is extremely important to those of you listening. And so we thank you. Yeah, we thank you for that. Uh, let's thank some more people right now. Um, Painter, those of you who are listening to this podcast for free, we appreciate you guys. And you you only just listen to the to the to the free podcast. We get it. We understand it. We hope at some point you would join us on the other side of the paywall uh, and get a subscription to the Observer. You get all of the newsletters. You get a bonus podcast at least one once a week, uh, and then any other extra ones we do. Um, you get that for six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. 
there's links uh, and, and such to uh, and buttons and all that to to subscribe. Um, you know, either in the either in the description or in the email that you that you that you got this podcast in. Um, so if you'd like to join us, we would really appreciate it. There's a lot of you on board, continuing to grow even in the off season. It's really really cool to see. We appreciate all of you. Uh, who who support us and tell your friends and tell your family and tell your enemies and all that about the observer? Yeah, let's Verd travel. Go to Greenville, you know. Go to away games during the football season. We don't have the uh, the same kind of budget some other folks do, but that's okay because of y'all. Shouts out. Yeah, absolutely. You guys make it all possible to do this and do this comfortably, and allows us to keep uh, allows us to keep Painter uh, in in grocery store hats and. <laughs> yeah. and and allows him to uh, to to take on to take on the grocery stores uh, as as uh, <laughs> as I see as, fit. Yeah, as you see fit. Um, but there's a way to help us out if you like the show. Um, that's completely free. You don't have to you don't have to spend any money. Uh, Painter, tell them how they can Remy do it. Remy Martin is a real name uh, for a basketball Remy- player. <laughs> this Kansas is suffocating Miami right now, and so and it- you can rate, review, and subscribe by going to the Apple Podcast app. It's a little purple app for those of you out there that don't know. Uh, you click on it, you search Auburn Observer, you scroll down, you hit five stars, write something in the little text box, mash the subscribe button, uh, tell all of your folks who you know who care about Auburn steal their devices, hit subscribe, whatever it takes. All right. It's free. You've got time. Do it in your car. Yeah. Do it in your car. Uh, just do it legally in your car. Um, yeah. And we're on Spotify as well. Uh, some of you listen through Spotify. You can just give us five stars on Spotify. That also helps. But the big one is Apple podcast. They invented the whole genre and they control the whole genre. Uh, even if you listen to a lot of your cool, third-party apps and whatnot. Um, I know a lot of you use different ones because we get to see all that info. Even still, Apple Podcasts is the best way to support the show. You don't have to listen through it, but you have to review through it that way. Um, So give us five stars. Say something nice about Painter. We'll read it on the air. Painter, we've got a new one. You ready? Ready, ready. This is from BGH890. says, Truly enjoy the reporter fan vibe that Ferg and Painter have going on. You get to enjoy the highs and lows all over again. Um, I, I, I like the, I like the, the back and forth. Cause like when we did radio painter, I think we both kind of did it more kind of media. Like you were a little bit more media kind of, at least trying to give off yeah. an air of not being so completely enthralled with what happens to all yeah, in the win loss column. But I think we've hit a pretty good balance. I think, uh, you know, I, I wondered what people would think about the, the back and forth, but, uh, uh, we've had a lot of people say that they enjoy that aspect of it. Um, it's a great podcast and written content that's well worth the money. If you haven't already subscribed, always look forward to the morning releases and the podcast as well. Keep it up. You guys are appreciated. Well, thank you, BGH. And thank you to all of you who, um, subscribe to the observer and listen to our bonus podcast and, um, all that good stuff. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. We're vain people, but we will read the the reviews every single time because it makes Painter smile. I know uh, we're going to basketball here, but I do want to talk about it. Well, some I got point. one more thing before uh, we do that. Okay. But all right, what do you want to talk about? White tent at some point for the observer, just putting it into the ether, maybe a business expense, if you will. Um, you know, write that bad boy off. Okay, so we're already planning that out. Yeah, I can all fly right. in every weekend. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. We're going to need some more people to subscribe if that, if that's going to be the case. Get the press to send me the jet. Yep. Yep. That's what, that's what we're going to do. 
Um, before we move on to basketball, we want to tell you about our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel is the A number one place to buy collegiate apparel, uh, the most comfortable T-shirts, uh, hoodies, joggers, sweatshirts you're going to find anywhere you find it at Homefield. Um, I'm wearing a Homefield shirt right now. I'm wearing my univer- one of my University of Hawaii Go Bows, uh Rainbow Warrior shirt. Um yeah, I'm wearing a Moe's Barbecue shirt. Also, shout out Moe's Barbecue. You don't you don't advertise with us, but we'll we'll give you we'll give you free we'll give you a free plug right here. Moe's Barbecue, it's great. Go check it out. Um, Homefield though's got uh, a lot of great Auburn t-shirts uh, and uh, and hoodies and sweatshirts that you're going to want to uh, buy. Uh, they're still running the sale for um, fifty one dollars. It's twenty five percent off. You can get the Peacock hoodie commemorate Auburn's championship season through that. They've got the Peacock shirt. They've got the cool Auburn basketball ever to conquer. Uh, what I, the orange, what I call the beard Eves era shirt. There's an Aubie uh, from 1965 that's doing basketball Quick stuff. Quick sidebar There's from Duncan Aubie. Field. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Wall Street Journal. What do we think about that little story? And the reference to our friend Ryan Starrett, the podcaster, sort of, I think, thrown out there. Uh, that word harshly thrown out there, not enough context because St. Peter's, you know, they're, they're getting their credit for peacocking. If you will, you can buy St. Peter's t-shirts at home field as well. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't read, I didn't read, uh, the wall street journal story, but it doesn't seem like it sat well with a lot of Auburn fans. So what does, um, I'm sure that we take things. We're going to rage again. We're raging against legacy media right here on this podcast. <laughs> Down with legacy media, up with independence. So, did Homefield uh, have St. Peter's stuff before the? No. Or did they, that explode afterward? That it exploded after they won their second round game and moved on. Um, and so, as we record this, they haven't tipped yet against UNC. Uh, but if you want some St. Peter's stuff, you can do that as well. Is there St. another school? Is, St. is there another school? Cannot let it come down to a fifty-fifty call. It's the first time that the NCAA has ever looked at a 15 seed being in the Final Four and gone, you know what? There's actually more money in the 15 seed losing. <laughs> we would love to see Duke Carolina in the Final Four, especially in K's last year. Let's right. Like happen. most of the time, yeah. the 15 seed having an opportunity to make it to the Final Four is probably awesome for business. But yeah. I, I'm curious about the ratings when we inevitably get the UNC Duke matchup. You can buy North Carolina stuff at home field. You can't buy Duke stuff at home field. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that is which, very which, funny that you cannot get Duke stuff at home field. Um, you can get Troy stuff. Uh, so have, what I'm hearing is I'm, Duke I'm, is beneath Troy. Duke is beneath Troy. Duke is beneath Slippery Rock. Duke is beneath Southern Indiana, former home of one Bruce Pearl. Um, yeah, there's a lot. If there's a school you care about or a cool that you uh, a school that you look at and say, "Hey, that's a cool logo or that's a cool design," maybe I want that. Trust me, Homefield's got you covered. Um, the most comfortable stuff you can find anywhere, the coolest looking designs you will find anywhere. Homefieldapparel.com. You get 15% off of your order if you type in the promo code Observer at checkout. Your first order, so it's your first time at Homefield. 15% off and tell them the Observer sent you. Um, Go ahead and gear up. This is about to be peak t-shirt time. And uh, home field t-shirts, very comfortable, but they're not not—they're not too hot. They'll keep you cool. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be the best springtime apparel. You're going to want to look look good out there uh, with uh, with all your spring festivities. And home field's got you covered. All right. Um, I have no idea what 
the Memphis thing is. I just saw it scroll by, and I want to know what happened there. Do you know anything about the about the Memphis thing? Uh, do you know anything? What was the tweet you were referencing earlier about him? I'm not entirely sure. There's a gentleman named, I think it was a guy named Devin, who tweeted something to the effect of, you know, when I see NCAA trouble, I assume it's Memphis or Auburn. Um, I can try to find it. It's not that important. I think yeah. it was supposed to be a epic burn slam, and it's more Got just on. like, all right, you know, I guess those are the only two schools that do it, man. Yeah, and also it's like, you know, if you want to cheer for the cops, you can do that. You know, if you want to, if you want to cheer for the college sports cops, go for it. Um, on this program, we're not going to do that. Uh, yeah, it looks like uh, four level one and two level two violations uh, for Memphis. Woo, boy. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll stick by Penny, but man, that is, that's a lot going on. That's a lot going on. Speaking of a lot going on, Auburn basketball continues to try to raid LSU, um, as much as possible. We've talked about Johan Traore, um, supposed to have a decision, uh, before the final four. So maybe sometime this week, um, a lot of people, most of the folks out there projecting him to become an Auburn Tiger. It's a five-star center, power forward, wherever you look at. I'd be interested to see. I think him and Jalen Williams, like, together in the front court, and you can fight over designation, four, five, five, four, whatever you want to look at at that. I think they would play off of each other really, really well. Uh, Triari, as we talked about uh, recently, would be the second highest-rated player Auburn has ever signed out of high school, even higher-rated uh, out of high school than Kessler was as a transfer. Um, if he decides to come to Auburn, only Jabari Smith would be higher up. When you talk about the elite talent Auburn had in their front court this season, how, how to replacement replace that. Well, one of the easiest ways to replace that is getting more elite talent. Um, so Traore should have a decision in the next few days. Most people say it's going to be Auburn. No, nothing's ever guaranteed. Nothing's ever a lock until it actually happens in the wide world of recruiting, but, um, things looking good for Auburn to, uh, to land, uh, you know, one of the highest rated players they've ever had in another big man. Um, that's not all though. Uh, that Auburn is going after from LSU. Um, you've also got um, Julian Phillips, who is another five-star committed to LSU. Auburn is trying to make a big push there with him, try to be a contender to get that, you know, kind of a four, maybe a three in this um, in this system. They've also gone after Brandon Murray. Uh, Brandon Murray uh, was a uh, high four-star in the composite in the class of 2021 from IMG, Auburn went after him. Uh, Auburn was one of the contenders for him. He ended up going to LSU. He signed with LSU. He started most of the games for LSU this year. He's in the transfer portal with all the stuff going on at LSU. Auburn's reached back out to him. Another name we've heard in the transfer portal for Auburn is Eric Stevenson. Painter, do you remember Eric Stevenson? Does that name mean anything to you? Mm, No. Okay, so let's take you back to the end of the regular season. Auburn's got to win a game to win the outright SEC title. They're playing South Carolina. Goatee guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a large gentleman who was hitting threes and talking junk to Derek Hall on the front row of the student section. His name is Eric Stevenson. Auburn going after him. Kind of a hot, hot cold kind of shooter uh, this this year. In in terms of his three-point. Oh, right in. Yeah. In terms of his three-point ability, um, I would point out uh, to to those of you at home, uh, Eric Stevenson 
uh, shot um, four of 11 from deep against Auburn. So he was a 34% three-point shooter this year, okay, uh, in, in, in games against D1 teams. Uh, he shot 38.5%, 38.5% in conference-only games this season, which ranked just outside of the top 10 in the league, would have been one of Auburn's best numbers outside of Jabari Smith. So I think he would be a shooting upgrade. Um, he's 6'4", so a little bit more size in the backcourt. Super experienced. Played his first two seasons at Wichita State, then played a season at Washington, then played a season at South Carolina. He's got another year remaining of eligibility. With the COVID year, could end up being at Auburn. Auburn's at least reached out to him. Um, so it's another bigger shooter. I think some of his no- – he, he, he shot a little colder in non-conference play, but he was better um, – Yo, uh, sorry, he was three of eight against Auburn. He's four of eleven against Mississippi State. I, I got those backwards. Um, so I, I think he would be an upgrade back there. Uh, you look at LSU. You look at Brandon Murray this season. Um, started thirty-two of thirty-three games this year. He shot thirty-five percent from deep in SEC play. Not crazy good, but um, you know, guy who did not he played a ton of minutes. Um, and just really good across the board for a freshman this year. Other thing about Eric Stevenson I want to point out, Painter, he led the nation in free throw percentage this season. Would you like to guess what his free throw percentage was this year? 92%. He was 60 of 61 from the line this year. He missed one free throw. He missed one free throw all season. That's good. All right. You know what? I'll take Um, it. You know what? I'll allow that. Um, so it's looking like Auburn's already looking to try to get more in the, in the, uh, in the transfer portal in their backcourt with the loss of Devin Cambridge entering the portal. Painter was Cambridge, was Cambridge gone when we recorded the last podcast? No, no, he was not yet. And I do want to say I've gotten all this information wrong. The guy's name is not Devin. It is Derek Schultz. Derek Schultz. This is Devin Cambridge though. Devin Cambridge entering the transfer portal. Um, not a surprise uh, here. Um, I, I said it, you know, I'm not going to sit here and point out, hey, this guy probably should go into the portal or this guy should. That's not my place. It's also, I think when people do that, it's kind of insens- insensitive to the guys. But um, Cambridge always made sense as a guy who could go into the portal just because he was a bench player. Uh, he was in the rotation uh, this season. He had less minutes. Uh, Auburn's bringing in some other guys at, around his spot with, with Chance Westry. Also, it's like if you're a bench player on a really good team, there are 358 Division One teams. There's an opportunity to find more playing time somewhere else. We saw it with Jamal Johnson and some of those guys last year. I think this you're gonna this is just gonna be a fact of life, right? I think it's he, fair to say that Devin has some deficiencies in his game at a super high level, like when you're playing against some of the competition that now exists in this league. But he will always be like the best athlete on any team he's on. So there is definitely a yeah. role for Devin Cambridge on some teams that aren't going to be as talented as Auburn. Here's the thing about Devin Cambridge. I thought one of the most underrated developments of the season was the fact that he was a good defender this year when he was on the floor. There wasn't much of a a change at all between him and Alan Flanagan at the three. Those guys struggled on offense this year for the most part, but defensively and rebounding-wise, you know, Cambridge went into the offseason. Bruce Pearl was hard on him and said, hey, you got to get better at these areas to stay on the floor. He did. No, he did not shoot particularly well especially from deep, but the guy got boards. The guy made some really crazy dunks. He's a great energy player. Not a guy who's going to start for a champion in the SEC, um, you know, more often than not, but a guy who has, uh, you know, 
could be a role player here or go get some more playing time somewhere else. He's going to have that opportunity. He's also going to have the opportunity to play with his brother, who is also in the transfer portal right now, transferring from Nevada. A lot of people are saying that those two guys are going to go play somewhere together, which is really cool. Um, So you make that, that that makes sense is that that's going to be the spot. So it looks like Auburn's already trying to kind of replace what they're losing in Cambridge. Look, if Cambridge would have stayed back and accepted, you know, another role as a, a, you know, a a reserve for Auburn this season, one of the first guys off the bench this next season, it would have been, I I think it would have been really good. I think he, he, he obviously gave you a lot of value as a player. It's just, you would have known what his limitations are and he might've seen, I mean, they're college basketball players. Yeah. You'd probably have seen another decrease in minutes. Yeah, and how many how many NBA players have you ever watched and say, yeah, you know his limitations? You know, you know it's hard to be a perfect, well-rounded player. And the things that Cambridge did really, really well, he did really, really well. And he and was a frustrating a player at times on offense. Like as a fan, it was frustrating right. to watch the Wings this year. And I'd hoped for more. I'd talked a lot about how I thought Allen could be this puzzle piece when he got back that pushed us over the edge, and that never happened. And Devin certainly was not great offensively. We can't beat around the bush there. Uh, at the same time, I think Devin's struggles were highlighted more because Auburn, it felt like for a lot of the season, was one more offensive piece away from being a really, really good team. And, I mean, you know, of course, they, they won the regular season. Nonetheless, it felt like they were a piece away. And one of those three juniors, in particular one of the two wings, shooting a little better or giving you a little bit more offensively, helped or could have helped. But, yeah, I, I, I mean... Wish Devin the best. Like, what a fun player to watch. Seemed to have Fantastic. a good personality, so as far as I mm-hmm. could tell. Um, yeah. I think it works out well for Auburn, because I, I do. I don't mean to be mean. I think Bruce he's has proven he's able to go get a really good upgrade well, in the I portal. Mean, and then Devin can go play more minutes. Right. And, and that's the thing. It's like, one of the things we saw Auburn do last season is that, you know, the, the season before this one, their biggest deficiency was guard defense and they go and get Katie Johnson and they go and get Zepp Jasper and they lose guys like Jamal Johnson and, um, and you know, Justin Powell, even though that was a weird situation. Um, and they get, I thought Wendell green played a lot better defense than we thought he was going to come and It just, that wasn't what he was known for. I think he played really good point guard defense this season, uh, for a guy his size and for what was expected of him. Um, they need to shoot the ball better. They absolutely need to shoot the ball better. Um, this season, they were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country, uh, at least out of the major conference uh, teams. Auburn shot um, 260, they were 269th in the country, 31.8% from deep. It's not going to win you a lot. Now, they had front court play, and they had an awesome defense, and they were able to win an SEC title and be a two-seed and have, I would say, arguably the second best season in, in program history in terms of the success that they had with the fact, with the fact that they were not a three point shooting team with the fact that this is one of the worst three point shooting teams Bruce Pearl has ever had at any spot. They got to get that fixed. And so, you know, that's the other thing is like Katie Johnson was not, a, you know, Katie Johnson shot this season. He shot 29% from deep. All right. Not great. Not great at all. He shot 39% a, a season earlier at Georgia. Right. So, like it's the it's, truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. So he can be better. I, I think what he saw, what you saw from him is, a, I just think bad shooting or cold shooting is, is contagious, but they've got to get better on offense. And so 
what do they do to go hit the this in the offseason and get better as, as a shooting team? Now, Johan Traore is a guy who can shoot from deep um, as a big man. He's not going to be necessarily a guy. And Kessler, we thought Kessler was going to be that guy as well. Obviously, did not click at the same rate as maybe people thought it would. And, and can I pause real quick before you yeah, go keep for going with, with some of the players that I think Bruce is going to bring in that makes this team better? Like one of the things that excites me so much about Bruce, whether it's Gus, and I, I don't know all the details behind it, whether it's Brian Harson, it has felt like there have been a few positions that have really plagued Auburn. And it's maybe not for lack of trying, but there hasn't been this increase or influx of talent to come in where they've needed it most. And I think last year, I don't know if Turbo simply saw the writing on the wall or if Bruce encouraged him and said, hey, maybe it'll be in your best interest to transfer because it was midseason. So I don't know if Bruce thought. It's early in the season. Yeah, yeah, losing a guy that early would have been advantageous. But No, it, I, it wasn't just because of the depth issues right. they had a point guard. But then I think about, you know, they didn't settle. Like Javon Franklin, I think he, he saw the writing on the wall. And it's actually funny. We might have been able to use a player like Jamal Johnson this year, but he saw the writing on the wall as well. Bruce went out and I think addressed some of the needs and weaknesses they had and got better. And so as an Auburn yeah. football fan, that hasn't happened in the last five years. As and a basketball fan, it feels and it's easier to do with a smaller yeah. roster because right, you might right, only right. need one or two guys to switch your fate. But Bruce has been able to address needs like that either in the portal or with high level recruiting in high school. And I feel pretty confident that with the departure of Devin, we probably get an upgrade at that position. And again, it allows Devin to go be useful and play more somewhere else. And you have Chance Westry coming in as well this year, uh, which was a highly rated four-star and Auburn's really, really liked. And I think Alan Flanagan, like Alan Flanagan, I want him season back. Of, I want him back. Yeah. Um, he was frustrating this year on offense, but I want him back. And yeah, his defense was still really, really good. Our buddy uh, Drew on Twitter at Orange and Drew uh, had like a late night thread I saw <laughs> over the weekend. Through it right now, man. And but he was talking about Alan Flanagan. Like, well, here's what a healthy Alan Flanagan looks like. And like, there's a lot of you know. We'll see if he's ever back to what he used to be. But man, if he if he comes close to what he used to be on a team with a lot more talent around him than he did when he was a sophomore. You, you like it. You like a lot about right. what, what he brings to the table. Right. And I don't Selfishly, know. like for me, it might be okay for Allen to be 85, 90% of what he was. Now, it's disappointing for like the pro prospect of Allen if it never quite yeah. clicks. But yeah, I mean, even 85, 90% of what he flashed at fantastic times, player yeah. years. Jeez. And, and I don't know if this is going to be it for Auburn in the portal. Like guys leaving. Like I, I still I think tend you're, to think not having probably not knowing nearly as much as you do. I tend to yeah. think not. Oh, and I, and you know some guys are like, hey, you know what? I like the role. I like being on a team uh, like this. I'm good with I'm good with that. Let's keep going. But other guys might look around and say, you know what? Might be best off for me to go play some more somewhere else. I there's going to still be room for that. And Auburn's got room to bring in dudes one way or the other, right? They they don't have to actually lose more to necessarily hit the portal hard. I think they're going to hit the portal hard, and I think they're oh, right now. I think they're trying to poach, especially with Triori and then and maybe Phillips. And then here's another one to keep in mind. And this was again, I'm shouting Drew out here, um, pointing out over the weekend uh, that uh, Gigi Jackson, who is one of the top players in the 2023 class, uh, power forward. He is a power forward from Columbia, South Carolina. A lot of people thought he was going to be he's going to stay at home and play for Frank Martin. Well, Frank Martin's not there anymore, and that has kind of opened some doors up. North Carolina and Duke getting super involved there. 
uh, as well. Auburn has made a really big push recently, and some people think he could be a reclassification candidate. Now, there's always a chance he could be a G League dude, he could go pro, all that. You know, Auburn definitely went through that with Scoot Henderson. Um, so, you know, that's another guy that, like, you know, how do you rebuild your front court? If Walker Kessler goes with Jabari Smith to the league, again, we are pretty safe in assuming that Jabari Smith will be in the league next year. And Walker's, I don't think it's a lock or anything, but I think, you know, you'd more likely see him go just because he's a first-round talent. Um, how do you replace that? How do you play, replace that level of talent? Easy. You go get really good five-star players again and build around them. Um, Gigi Jackson would be one of those guys. Julian Phillips would be one of those guys. And so... Do you have any sort of sense, I know that we're not a recruiting podcast, but what it looks like for Phillips' recruitment? Because it feels like... Yeah, it's open. Yeah. Because it, it does feel like Treyor, based on what I'm reading, and only that's what I know, is that right. people assume that that's an Auburn commit. Yeah, no, it, it is. I think Julian Phillips, he got contacted by a ton of teams coming out of, like as soon as he got his release because he signed. He signed at LSU. Traore had not yet at that point. Um, but I'm sorry uh, if I'm pronouncing his name wrong every time. It's okay. It's Traore is. I would imagine that's how you pronounce it. That's how every soccer player I've ever heard with that pronunciation. That you know the uh, the French African. Um, uh, kind of names uh it's always been triore if i'm wrong i'm wrong uh but you know there's been guys who have been opened up because dudes have left and gone gone other places so uh julian phillips i'm trying to look right now and see yeah uh auburn florida state gonzaga usc tennessee are ones that have reached out uh and are kind of kind of the other one that that one seems a little more open triore like you were saying is is pretty um you know, the folks who cover recruiting and do an excellent job of it, both locally and nationally, kind of seem to be leaning towards, uh, very, very heavily leaning towards uh, uh, Traore being a Tiger. Bring um, Will Wade home. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm interested to see what Gigi Jackson does. Like, he could stay in his class. He could just stay and be a 2023 kid. Um, but if, you know, a team could kind of convince him to make the jump a year, kind of like JT Thor did, man, that would be another just massive pickup for Auburn. And it would be very much kind of like Thor in the fact that Thor would have been a high five-star if he'd have stayed in his own class, but he reclassified and he signed with Auburn reclassified um, and ended up being a really high four-star and, of course, one-and-done talent now playing in the league. So, yeah, there's just a lot to like. It's just you got to get better on offense since these guys are kind of more offensive-oriented. Now, I don't think Auburn's going to be as elite. They were top ten defense this year nationally efficiency wise I don't think you're going to be that kind of defense without Kessler just because he did so much as a rim protector could I think do I think you could still be an awesome defense for sure if you have Zepp Jasper and Alan Flanagan and Katie Johnson like all these dudes coming back Jalen Williams like really good defenders coming back Auburn could still be really good on defense but the issue was and this is kind of a bigger picture thing uh I was talking about this with uh with Nathan King I shouted him out earlier for all of his good work with with the injury news for bat, uh, for football, I wanted to point this out. Kansas just won to advance in the NCAA tournament uh, to the Final Four. I pointed this out in the mailbag over the weekend. One of one of my friends asked about this. It's like offense over defense. Is that we hear that in football? Is that true in basketball? And if so, does that change anything about Auburn? 
yeah, like was it five out of the last six national champions had a top three offense. Uh, eight out of the last ten had a top ten offense. If you look at the teams that are in the Final Four, Duke, number one offense in the country. Kansas is currently the number six offense in the country. Villanova is number nine. Um, if North Carolina wins, that's a top 15 offense that goes in. If St. Peter's wins, well, you know, they just they just ruin everything. Um, and this is off of adjusted uh, offense efficiency through Kempon, which also takes into account the adjustment is, hey, how fast you play and who you play against. Um, you have to have a lead offense to win a championship in college basketball. That's just it. One of the things I think that, that bit the SEC this year, it was such a good conference. It was such a good conference this season competitively, but one of the reasons why they kind of fell flatter in the NCAA tournament is they were not built on offense to be as successful as some of these teams to make a run. You have to be a good jump shooting team. You have to play clean offense. Like offense wins championships. Offense wins in March more than elite defense. Auburn had – the SEC had so many good elite defensive teams. LSU, Tennessee, um, to be – you know, were the, were the two biggest examples. Auburn definitely was up there as well. When you look at the offense this season in the SEC, Kentucky was a top five offense because, you know, they were super, super efficient because they had all those athletes that could get, get downhill and score quickly, uh, especially Oscar, Oscar Shibway. Alabama was a top 15 offense, or number 16 in the country. And then third was Auburn in the SEC in offensive efficiency. They were number 25. We know Auburn's offensive limitations this season the hot and coldness and some of that was due to the inexperience some of that was due to the style of play but that was a top 25 offense that was a top three offense in the sec and yet you know it was the inconsistency on offense played a lot in how auburn finished their season so what i'm saying is is that the sec <laughs> arkansas is a great example of this as well arkansas um you know was a team that lives at the free throw line not a very efficient offense they were top they're outside the top 50 nationally in offensive efficiency they lived at the free throw line well guess what you're not going to get those calls against duke in the elite eight not in coach k's final year sorry eric musselman can sit and complain about how his team didn't go to the free throw line enough against duke but when you take the game out of, out of the out of your own guys hands and into the officials hands especially when you're playing a really talented team like duke in this kind of season yeah hate hate it for you bud like, I do think it has been sort of ignored because of how much attention has been focused on Coach K's farewell tour, as annoying as it may be. That right. they are, I think, hands down the most talented team with NBA prospects this year. Yeah. And now yeah. everyone's focusing on the guy that's probably a top three pick, certainly I think a top four pick. But there's a bunch of other guys that are going in the first round on that team too. Right. And they're an offensive-minded team. This Duke team best team left in it we'll see what kansas has to say about it but there's number one offense in the country on paper if you're like okay who's the best chance to win the national champion of the teams that are going to the final four it's gonna be duke because of the way they play offense um could be wrong kansas is really good villanova is really good and then i mean north carolina i said it at the beginning of the tournament north carolina if they hit their shots they can beat anybody they beat duke in cameron in that big big environment scoring 90 plus because they just started hitting shots so that's the thing for Auburn moving forward. The only time Auburn has had a top 10 offense under Bruce Pearl, they went to the final four. Now I'm not saying that's like a lock, like cement, like you put it, put it in there. That's the truth. If Auburn has an amazing offense, they'll definitely go deep in the tournament. Cause there's some really good offenses. Gonzaga, Purdue, Iowa, Arizona, Baylor, Houston. Those are all top 10 offenses that didn't make the final four this year. And some of those got knocked out early and a lot earlier than expected especially Kentucky. 
Um, so it's not a guarantee, but that's the best weapon that you have to have. So when you look at Auburn reloading their roster this year, they went defense. And yes, Jabari Smith was an incredible offensive talent, and Walker Kessler was insane around the rim. And there were times when Wendell Green and Katie Johnson won you basketball games with their offense, right? It's a two-way game. It's what makes that's what makes basketball such a cool and unique sport because you got to do it all. You can't just be an offensive-only player or a defensive-only player like football. Auburn has to address their offense. I think some of the shooting this offseason is, you know, I think some of it was just kind of contagious, but they could use getting better shooters. And you just lost your best shooter in Jabari Smith, more than likely. Um you've got to be able to get back to that. And maybe Katie Johnson starts shooting the ball next season more like he did at Georgia. And maybe Wendell Green Jr. shoots the ball more like he did at Eastern Kentucky. And maybe you get, uh, you know, a resurgent Allen Flanagan, a resurgent Jalen Williams in, in bigger roles. Maybe that's maybe that helps it, helps it out. But I would expect Auburn to address that. And this team, we said it from the first game of the year, is that this team was going to win a lot and they were going to have – their defense was going to buy time for their offense. And there were times this year where Auburn's offense was super elite. Towards the end of the season, though, it was not. It was inconsistent. The defense kept them at a really, really high level most of the way. If you'd rather have elite offense or elite defense, both in college football and in college basketball, the numbers say you'd rather have offense. And so what does Bruce Pearl do? What does this team do? Because it's – you can bring in new talent, but like I said – we thought Katie Johnson and Wendell Green were they were higher percentage three point shooters as freshmen as they were as sophomores at Auburn. So you could go get a guy who's a sniper on paper, but that doesn't guarantee he's going to be the same thing for you the next year, especially in the SEC with all these defenses. But I think for Auburn and I think for the SEC as a whole, one of the big things they've got to do this next season is if they want to be a team that has more respect nationally and goes deeper in the tournament and is a team that people look at as a stronger contender and could go to a final four or go deep in the tournament, you know, just make it to the second weekend, just make it to the elite eight is, is a monstrous for a, for a program like Auburn. You got to get that offense going. And so what happens here these next few weeks and months with the roster, I think is going to play a big part of that. And like you said, painter Bruce Pearl is the guy to, to fix that because this is, this is where he thrives, man. This is where he thrives. He's a really good X's and O's coach. He's a really good program builder. Well, and this is program building, obviously. He's really good at establishing a culture and managing players. He's an awesome basketball coach. I think, you know, he, he's a great college basketball coach in a number of areas. This is where he has cleaned up. Assembling over the talent years. is the, and that is the most important That's part the game. is having That's the, the best game. players. So Look, I'll man. take that 10 out of 10, even with the frustrations of that offense during February and March. And yeah, like at the end of the day, if you can get players like Jabari. But think about Devin Cambridge, how excited we would have been as a fan base to have had Devin Cambridge during the Jeff Lebo or Tony Barbie era. And now yeah. a player that is a three-star like Devin is appreciated, and people get excited, for instance, because Devin's such a good athlete and could do some things that were really cool. But if you sign a player at Auburn who is to Devin's caliber, people are like, he's a nice role piece. The, the expectation and perception of what is driving Auburn basketball has completely changed. And I'll say maybe on the premium podcast or sometime this summer, we can take a deeper dive into the thing we talked about a lot this year, which is what would you rather have a consistent, impressive regular season or a strong finish in March? And to some extent, Arkansas is a really good counterpunch. Would you rather be Auburn or Arkansas? Right. Two straight elite eights. 
I think Mus is only in his what third year third with them. Yeah. So like he's been able, like Bruce, to navigate the transfer portal and recruit well, and it's kind of culminated in different ways for the two programs. Yeah, Arkansas is in a really good spot as a program. Musselman's an amazing coach. Um, he they're recruiting exceptionally well. They're going to be one of the best recruiting teams, uh, recruiting classes in the SEC this year and in the country. Um, also, Arkansas has not won a league title since 2000. Auburn's won three in the last five seasons. You know, so it's like I said this recently, and like, yeah, going deep in the NCAA tournament side, I think they've. They beat Gonzaga, and look, man, you get a ton of respect from me, obviously, for beating Gonzaga. Um, but, you know, they had favorable draws um, to get to the Elite Eight last year. They had it in the first weekend was pretty favorable for them, and they scraped by some double-digit seeds. Obviously, double-digit seeds can beat you. Look at what Miami just did. Look at what St. Peter's is doing. Um, but it's like this might be too much of a hot take for me. And like, I'm, I, I'm fully capable of being proven wrong, obviously. Like, and if I'm wrong, I'll be the first to admit it. But like, I'm starting to feel like Arkansas basketball is kind of be, is going to be like Texas A&M football for me where it's like, okay, when it happens, I'll give you credit. But right now there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of, I'm not saying it's empty accomplishment. Cause like I said, making it to an elite eight is pretty big, but like and doing it no, twice, I think does matter because yeah. anybody can win a couple of games once. No rings. Yeah. Right, right. And they've got a lot of good recruiting, but how's that going to develop into the next? And look, they beat Auburn this year, and they've been a really good program. Like, this is not me saying, like, Arkansas sucks. Like, they're going to be a title contender. Wasn't Muss a Warriors coach? Like, I know you probably yeah. got a soft yeah. spot for Muss. I know you know he's a good coach. It's just, right. like, when you make it to the Elite Eight, it's a cool accomplishment, and you hang but, a banner for it. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth loser, whatever. If you want to look yeah. at it that way too, yeah. and you get the ring, you get the title for winning either the tournament or the regular season title, and the regular season is a tougher accomplishment than winning three games to get to the Elite Eight. As impressive as it is, and including this Arkansas team this year because they beat Gonzaga, I just it's like one of those things. I believe it when I see it. If they go out and win the SEC next year, I'm not going to be surprised because they've got all the pieces. It's kind of like with Texas A&M; they got all the pieces. You just got to do it at some point think another thing for, for Arkansas is just like, hey, just be really good on offense. Be better on offense. Don't have to rely so much on getting to the free throw line or having J.D. Note take 30 shots. You know, maybe that'll maybe that'll be better off. But I think that's the other thing that the SEC needs to look at at large is, man, they had so many good defensive teams in the league this year. I mean, look at uh, going back to Ken Palm again. Defensive efficiency this season in, 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 uh, in the SEC. Auburn was – Top 10. Tennessee, top 10. Arkansas, top 11. LSU, top 10. Texas Texas A&M was pretty high up as well. Kentucky was top 30. 35, sorry. You had, you were more defensive-oriented than offensive-oriented. And I think it was a little bit easier because to be defensive-oriented because of the officiating in the SEC and how things kind of turned into free-throw fest and weren't as kind of free-flowing offensive games as others have been. Maybe that's something they need to tighten up on because if you want to go deep in March, you got to have the offense. Elite defense can get you a long way. It's just like in football. Elite defense can get you a long way, but the offense is, is what's going to win you a championship, a national championship, especially in a pl- sport like college basketball where there's just so many obstacles and so many ways to get to the Final Four and to cut down on that. All right, that'll Brian do it. Brian Harson, Bruce Pearl, me. We're all hanging out, having a good time this offseason. We're all talking offense. <laughs> yeah, we all-, all apparently want to have the best offense in the country. Imagine that. That's, that's, that's good to be all on the same accord on. 
appreciate everybody listening. If you are a subscriber, we will have another podcast for you guys coming up later in the week. Newsletters, we will have basketball and football throughout the week as well. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, supporting us. And uh, if you're listening to us just on the free feed, uh, we will talk to you guys again next week. We'll probably start doing more of these on Monday morning uh, during the off season, just because it's just easier for everybody's schedule uh, to do it then. That'll do it. Painter, final thoughts. <sighs> Ready for it to be warm. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store-bought tan, flip-flops and cut-off jeans. Somewhere between that set and the sun, I'm on fire, I'm born to run. You looked at me and I was done. We're just getting started. I was saying to you, Singing to me, I was so alive, never been more free. Fired up my daddy's lighter, and we sang, oh, 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 oh. Stayed there till they forced us out and took the long way to your house. I can still hear the sound of you saying, don't.